The first lesson for today is from Exodus chapter 20. This is the giving of the law, the words of God that came from Mount Sinai through Moses to be given to the people. In Hebrew, it's not ten commands, it's ten words. And the very first word isn't a command at all, but comforting from God in what he has done for his people. This is what will serve as the basis for the sermon today as we focus on this. Listen to Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you who comfort yourselves with the peace that Jesus alone gives to you. Constance in your life struggles two weeks ago struggles always going to have them suffering always going to have it and now commands pressure like moral pressure to live as a something to stand as a something all of these alone perish the thought that you would struggle alone without Jesus, that you would suffer alone without a loving Jesus, that you would seek to be perfect in this in a vacuumless relationship that was just God looking down angry at you because you're not good enough. That's what we want to die today. That doesn't need to be in your thoughts ever anymore. But we are constant with commands. And I think it's good, it's, I know it's good for us to explore 
how your heart engages with commandments because a lot of times they become impersonal to you. Um, commandments are just this thing. Uh, and sometimes it takes the form of relationships where you're pressured to live up to a standard for someone else's love. We're raised in a household that probably had some house rules. And along with those house rules had house threats <laughs> with punishments that came with breaking those rules. Or maybe something good that came along with keeping those rules, right? We have that ingrained in us nurtured in us and there's a part of all of us who went through a childhood who experienced the positives and negatives of that conditional side of love when rules are there without the fullness of love first or without it reiterated strongly by i love you no matter what it becomes this little engine inside a child that i need to please my parents and why am i never good enough for them conditions conditions you know the same thing perhaps with uh think of reading about motherhood and there are moms that are just trying to be a good mom and it's kind of this again abstract vacuumless there's no inside they've got this inner turmoil because they wanted to be this great mom and they have this pressure to be a mom that compares with a standard of some other moms or at least meets the level of expectation for mothers and it's powerful inside of them it's a way they orient to commands i want you to talk i want you to explore these things that you have who you're trying to please who you're trying to be perfect for. This whole thought needs to go away. It doesn't say anything about God. It doesn't even say, I'm alone trying to be perfect for the glory of God. But so often, isn't that the truth? We live a life inside ourselves that is trying to be something, and it's really not for him. It's for mom and dad. It's to be a good example for the kids. It's... It's wanting to be a, a positive influence in a friendship. It's something at work that people would notice and find value. Often it's the praise of people. Or maybe there is something inside of you. Uh, Luther would talk about a religious fanatic we all have inside our hearts that I I can play that game that I've learned so well in my house or at school with the teacher with threats and punishments and rewards, longer recess, if we all stand in a straight line, I can play that game with my God too. And I'll enjoy more of God if there's your string attached. If I, if I do this, that by doing this, he'll love me more. It'll be more pleasing to me. And then when I do it, I have that extra little smile on my face because I know that the smile from my parents is coming. I know that that smile from my teacher is coming. I know that the smile at work for that successful job well done is coming. I know that my friends will approve of me and all the mothers around in the mother club on Facebook, they will love me because I did this. 
and I have this self-approval going on and I have a smile, so God, doesn't that apply to you too? Don't you smile? All of it happens all by itself. Understand that having Ten Commandments hang on a wall all by themselves is ultimately a terrible thing. It's Ten Commandments in a vacuum. It's Ten Commandments without relationship with God. It's Ten Commandments that will only take you to bad places. You either run along on the ability you've had, the successes you had to put the smile on your face, so God must be smiling if I'm smiling because I did it. I didn't murder. Or you end on the other side of despair, that I have failed, which we're going to talk about next week. This week, we're focusing on that little engine that can, that little engine that could, all by itself, all alone. We need every last word in that sentence, I'm alone trying to be perfect. We need it demolished, not doing this alone. And I find it striking that when God introduced his commands from the thunder and the cloud and the terrifying presence of Mount Sinai, even there he began with, I am your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He did not start, wouldn't it just be a great bait and switch? If God says, yeah, I'm so happy to do these plagues on Egypt and get you out into the desert to be my people, and now that you're here, here's the rule book. You keep those if you want me to be happy with you now. I was happy to take you out and make you my, like, this is the pleasure of the Lord to deliver them out of their slavery, and now is it his pleasure to watch them squirm at the foot of Mount Sinai? It is his pleasure to, like, beat them over the head with his laws and prison bars, and we'll see how well you do that. I'll make you new slaves, slaves to the Ten Commandments. No, this was quite an invitation God was giving to his people an invitation to never live life alone, even with Ten Commandments. And you live a life in the Lord, with the Lord. Who is your Redeemer? Who is your Savior? God's starting point was his undeserved love. The love when they didn't have to have it. He didn't have to show it. There was no, this was no reward for anything Israel had done or any of these Jews had done in Egypt that, ooh, I finally found a worthy nation to take for my own. No, it was his grace. It was his mercy to them. And God preaches that sermon, inviting them to a life with this God who saves you from much more than Egypt. That's where he started. Think about that. When you reflect on last week or you look ahead to next week, what's that week all about? What's going on in that little heart of yours? What little engine is running? Who are you trying to please? Who is this for? Why is it done? All this pressure that surrounds you, I know what it is because it surrounds mine. And sadly, I have to let go of every commandment I try to keep as one lost 
if I don't even remember the first word God spoke from Sinai. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Did you see how John 2 started when Jesus went into the temple courts? What time of year was it? It's when the Passover was approaching. The Passover that remembered that angel of death that passed them by. By what? By the blood of the Lamb. And who gave them that blood? By the Lord who delivered their sons back into their mother's laps and spared them from the angel of death and allowed these families to remain intact, that there'd be no weeping in the houses of the Jews because God so loved them and then pulls them out of Egypt to be his own people, his own firstborn in the world. What love that was. And Jesus finds a temple that's filled with sacrifices. Do you think that's a great thing? Sacrifices and you know, money transactions and greed and you know scales and balances and I think you owe me a little bit more and going through the motions and nobody's quiet. Nobody's thinking. Nobody's watching the lamb's throat that is slit so that the blood can go over the doors. Nobody's remembering their history or their identity of who they really are. They're getting up out of bed and they're going to do church. They're going to do it without anything going on inside. They're going to sing and they're going to give and they're going to transact and they're going to sacrifice and they're going to go home, but there's no saving mercy of God. If but for the saving mercy of God, we would not be here. That's not in their hearts and minds. There's no quiet reflection. The undeserved mercies of God piled all around them of God first. Then come the commands. You see how that is? idolatry. You see how God moves into the first three commandments and he knows just what to tell people who quickly move on to please others, to please themselves, or even please a God who's already pleased. <laughs> you make an idol out of our works. We make an idol out of others and their opinions of us. We make idols and God goes in and the first three commands are all because his first word was so important. Telling you that he's your savior and redeemer is so important that God says, please don't run to some other savior. Don't run to another to please them and try to make a life there. Don't run to be perfect in someone else's eyes. Can I just take you as my own? Wonderful invitation for these Jews. Can I take you as my own? Can it just be by grace? Can you sing that song instead? Put the other idols away. Honor my name. What is my name to you? Just a thunderous, angry God? God will be an angry God to you if you dwell in the world of the law. How else do you end up there? He's an angry God because he's angry at sin. And so if you're fixated on God, the command giver, and you forget the gracious God who gave you new life, then you will be terrified and scared as your only existence with him. And you will shake your fist at a parent that demands too much of me. <sighs> what kind of religion is this Christianity that you pile us, all these, you prison us, imprison us in these 
laws and rules, these restrictions and things, I can't keep a one of them. I can't be free in every one of them. They all shackle me up and, and bind me in and make a slave of me. I never break out of your commands because I'm a sinner. That's not God's name. You will quickly make the name of God an angry alone God if you forget that first word. Or the Jesus that cleanses the temple so you can have your Passover. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day. This is one of those commands that, um, this might be too, too much for you too soon, but it's one of those commands that reminds us that Exodus 20 wasn't given to you. Christians today, remember the Sabbath day? Um, we're told in the New Testament, in Christ, Jesus is our rest. And so here it helps us interpret Exodus 20 as these are good summaries of the law, but what was said there in Exodus 20 was said to those Jews at the foot of the mountain. And even the fourth commandment does the same thing. It says, this is just for you. Honor your father and mother so that you will live long in the land the Lord is giving you. So, did anybody live in Israel? Anybody? I don't think so. Then that, that promise isn't there for you. But Jesus does reaffirm our Jesus, our full Jesus, our fullness of God Jesus, does reaffirm how we can live a life of joy and thanksgiving in ways that please God. And he says that that is honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery. The greatest commandment, love Lord, Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two are the greatest. They summarize the commandments to you. Jesus did, does give ways for us to pour out our love for God. Um, and that is our word. But when you look back at this Exodus 20, understand that it was given to those people to be their caretaker for their time before Jesus came to be our Sabbath. And I point that out because at the heart of that commandment isn't rest on a literal day. At that heart of that commandment was always one who would contemplate that I don't need to work my tail off seven days a week to be blessed. I have a God who is my rest. Even when I'm working, I have a God who takes care of my needs. These three commandments, they're so powerful in preaching his first word from Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who took you out of slavery. You are my free one. You're my free one. That's what he says. Isn't that amazing? Filled with that first word and running in the will of God that has you um, in its blessing and wants to keep you in his word, keep you in his story, keep you in his name, keep you in his rest, keep you with him alone as God. You know what he's passionate about? He's passionate about, about loving you. He's passionate about you staying in that story of his grace and mercy each and every day and clearing out everything else. And now for the third part of the sermon, I'd like you to think about the last, all those commandments to our neighbor. Because even there, God is teaching us how to run long in the engine of his will and not the surface things of affection. Think about it. Honoring your father and mother, if you base it superficially 
or in some way based on whether they deserve your honor. You start adding these little strings attached um, based on your affection for your parents, your respect for what they do, and not because of God, the authority who gave you them, you will find a superficial following of that commandment. And God, in all of these second half of the commandments to your neighbor, is driving you into who he is and the people he has made that you would be moved out of love for God in your will and not by the reed that sways in the wind, in this case your affection, your feelings about it, your take on a given circumstance. God would say, I don't care who that neighbor is, do not murder. I don't care if that neighbor is your enemy, do not steal. I don't care what they have done. Think on me and my will and put aside all else. Why would you think about God? And why would you think about his will as being the deep driver for your behavior with other people? Because I'm the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Dear Christian friends, is this little review of the zealous God for his house is a zealous God for you. Does this little review help you see how off we are in our lives? This wrong direction, this trophies we're after that are nothing like the glory of God. Do you ever think that what Jesus said about his father in his earthly life would be a great model for you? Father, you're all that matters. Your glory is all that counts. Why don't I say that when I get out of bed in the morning? Why not? Why am I so far away from Christianity that I don't think that way? Father, to you be the glory. Your will be done. Like it's, his, it's the only thing. It's not one among many. It's the only thing every day, all the time. This is what brings us down to our knees in the midst of Lent and shows you not only um, you would be alone trying to be perfect, but it shows how perfect Jesus is. The Jesus who knew just well how to drive away all the clutter in other people's hearts and lives, and he knows just as well how to drive it out of his own heart as he dedicates a life on your behalf to his Father. Think of how significant that is now. Think of how significant it is for his holy blood to bleed on the cross, not for himself. Not for himself, but for you. I am your God who brought you out of hell, out of your land of curse and slavery. Listen to what he says to you today. Filling that heart with the one name that saves the one name that speaks freedom, the one name that fires inside something other, the one thing that has the ability to actually change me from a repeat classroom offender and failure to my parents, the one thing that can actually change my status with God is the name of Jesus. And it's all yours. You're free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not let yourselves, Galatians, do not let yourselves be burdened again 
under the yoke of slavery. Look at God's laws and commands in a whole new way. Don't you want them? Don't you want him to be your only God and his name to be the hallowed and honored and highly respected and shared and spread name above all names? Do you want that rest? Do you want that rest every moment of your life to be that kind of freedom and clear space and the peace of God at rule in your hearts, the peace of Christ that he gives you? Don't you want that? Don't you want then to take this blank canvas of your day and the people that are in your life, it's a blank canvas every fresh day. You don't know who you're going to see. You don't know who you're going to get to be with, who will still be alive, who will be taken away. Every day is a fresh calling to splash that love out in a beautiful canvas, singing the song of love and the way you serve others, singing the song of love and the way you love them and humbly get on your knees and do things for them and commands suddenly are bright. This is, this is the will of God. It's so beautiful what he wants in the world. I love it. That's not a prison bars. It's entirely different. It's my freedom. It's my life in Christ alone. Amen.